Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, and welcome to another episode of A Sound Heart Radio, and uh, we give God thanks every time he allows us to meet with you uh, in this venue, and uh, we give God thanks for this podcast, and we ask your prayers uh, for this podcast, uh, this podcast that others, that many others would come and be blessed uh, through the teaching, and we're going to ask you to please share with your friends uh, this podcast also. So uh, we have a very, very important topic tonight uh, that we're going to discuss. And before that, uh, let us have a word of prayer and then we'll begin our study. Father, in the name of Jesus, our Savior, we give you thanks for this opportunity. We ask to be guided by the Holy Spirit as we study who is the author of the scriptures. We pray that there are no unconfessed sins in our lives, Lord so that we can receive maximum benefit from your word. Indeed, the engrafted word is able to save our souls. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, tonight's discussion is entitled, uh, uh, Are You Shattered by Guilt and Punitive Self-Judgment? Are You Shattered by Guilt and Punitive Self-Judgment? God is powerful to save. Now, uh, after many, many years of ministry, I've come to recognize uh, the many faces of guilt. And basically, there are two types of guilt. Some say that there are three types of guilt, but uh, first of all, I want to discuss what guilt is, then we're going to go to the Word of God uh, because there's a very powerful message through the scriptures of the uh, the new gestalt, as it were, that has been brought in through uh, the cross of Christ. And please understand that when we discuss uh, the blood of Jesus, uh, we recognize that his blood still has cleansing power. And his blood cleanses us out from all sin, past, present, and future. His blood cleanses us out from all sin. And uh, there are, the scripture talks about sins that, incurring guilt or engendering engendering guilt. And so that is very real. There are specific uh, terms in the Greek New Testament, and there are spe- uh, specific terms in the Hebrew Old Testament about certain types of sin. Uh, and so, uh, first of all, let me give you a definition of guilt. And this is a, a noun. 
So it is the fact of having committed a specified or implied offense or crime. Once again, uh, the fact of having committed a specified or implied offense or crime. Now, the verb, uh, and this is an, an informal definition, the verb means to make someone feel guilty, uh, especially in order to induce uh, he or she to do something. So that's the informal uh, definition of guilt. So a guilt is described as a self-conscious emotion that involves negative evaluations of the self, feelings, or distress, and feelings of failure. Once again, guilt is described as a self-conscious emotion that involves negative evaluations of the self, feelings of distress, and uh, feelings of failure. And someone... Uh, has said that there is natural guilt. Natural guilt uh, is a normal reaction and feeling of remorse over something we did or failed to do. And then there's a toxic guilt, toxic guilt. And this is a sense of not being a good person, feeling like a failure or that you let other people down. So uh, we want to discuss tonight uh, the idolatrous nature or the idolat uh, idolatrous guilt and punitive self-judgment that is ungodly and unbiblical. And what this does uh, to uh, what, it, what this kind of guilt and punitive self-judgment does in the life of an individual, it creates incredible suffering. And the individual holds in, in her mind or his mind uh, the reality of oh, some deed that was done to another or others in the past. And so therefore the individual uh, carries guilt about what was done, and uh, so the individual cannot move on in life because he or she uh, has been stopped, uh, and so forth. So therefore, they cannot progress in life because they are weighed down by sin. And understand that <clears throat> sin, sin is a yoke. It is a yoke. And the sin is a weight. And so the individual uh, is weighed down uh, by this, by guilt, whether uh, some even, some talk about neurotic guilt, real guilt, forensic guilt. Uh, so that involves criminality. Then there's what others call neurotic guilt. And here the person has a, uh, a self-imposed understanding of guilt and so therefore places uh, he, uh, himself or herself under judgment. 
under judgment and will not easily release that uh, that conclusion of, of self-judgment. So this is an act of the will. This is a volitional act. And if the person uh, has feelings of remorse or, or real guilt about what he or she has done in the past, then uh, it's sometimes it's very difficult to talk to these people about the forgiveness that one has in Christ because they will not allow because they have this self they have sentenced themselves and because they have sentenced themselves uh, it's difficult for them to hear what God has done through Jesus. Now, I can say that my life is based upon doctrine, and I believe in doctrinal living. That is, I believe uh, in the Word of God, and I practice, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the teachings of the Word of God. Not as a philosophy, not as a psychology, but understanding that the Bible is verily God's word and that God has the final say in my life because my life after when I come to Jesus, my life, the Bible sums up my life by saying that before Jesus, I was dead in trespasses and sin. That's a summary biblical understanding of what my life was outside of Christ. In trespasses and sin. That's it. That's the epitaph. That's the tombstone, as it were. That uh, That is it. And so... Uh, when I come to Christ, now I have there. I have moved into life. I've I've gone from death to life. It pre, please read John chapter three. Now in the old life, okay, under old understanding and an old under old definition. The, word, the psychologists of the world, the counselors of the world, the psychiatrists of the world, the politicians of the world have their definitions of me. And Freud and Jung uh, delved into the depths of the human heart. And in their findings in depth psychology, led them to see uh, that in the deepest recesses of the human heart, there only uh, lived darkness. Please read Modern Man in in Search of a Soul by Carl Jung. Modern Man in Search of a Soul by Carl Jung. Please read that book. Now, there are many different systems of psychology. 
there are many different systems of pop psychology. And very rarely, unless they're from a certain school, like the Freudian camp or the Jungian camp, etc., do they agree on any set definition of anything related to the human condition. Do the research yourself, find out for yourself, and come to your own conclusions. But when it comes to the Word of God, we have uh, the, the, the solid rock, as it were, of truth. And the word uh, uh, for truth in the, word, uh, in the New Testament, alithanos, means that which conforms to reality. Now, human psychological systems don't necessarily have to conform to reality. But when the Bible uses the word, uh, the word truth, means that which conforms to reality. That is uh, what God says is the truth. When Jesus states, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that's it. So uh, I want to read to you from uh, the book of, this is Colossians. Uh, this is Colossians chapter 2, and I'm going to read, I'm, I'm going to start reading from verse 6. Colossians 2, 6, and the author is the Apostle Paul. And Paul writes, quote, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. That is to order one's steps within the sphere of Christ. Walk in him rooted and built up in him. This is, and understand that uh, what Paul is, is teaching and to whom uh, this message is addressed to believers. Uh, yes, there are, the metaphors are mixed, but there's a very powerful point that Paul wants to make. Uh, believers should be blessed. They should be rooted in Christ. We should not be rooted in human philosophy. No matter how wonderful it sounds, no matter how great the teacher, we should only be rooted in Christ. When I am rooted in Christ, then I know that my life is going to be blessed. My life has, uh, has direction and meaning because I am rooted in Christ. And then I'm to be built up uh, in him, according to Mayo. And so, uh, no, so we have the verb rooted and the verb built up. So I'm to be built up in him. And notice, Christ is the focus. Jesus is the focus. When I walk in guilt, and punitive self-judgment, my eyes are not on Christ, but on my conclusions about me. My conclusions, my subjective understanding about uh, who and what I am are not necessarily rooted in reality. Okay? So, 
when I walk in him, when I'm rooted and built up in him, and notice he goes on, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. This is this is what this is the proper uh, ethos of a believer. This is the, the motivational ethos for uh, believers in order for them to be free and to stay free. And then when this is going on in one place, then uh, God will address the guilt. And sometimes the guilt that we have is so deep and so and, and pervasive and overwhelming that it will create depression. It will create suffering. It, create, it can create some very serious situations uh, in our lives because the, the guilt and the punitive self-judgment are ruling over us. Now, they are very real and they are very powerful. And uh, so individuals have uh, will go to counselors seeking help or that they can identify what is really going on. But uh, it's, it's imperative that the individual who wants to be set free of guilt and punitive self-judgment to come to a point where he or she understands the importance of confession. So, uh, Maud Petrie wrote, quote, true confession, telling our deed in such a way that our soul is changed in the telling it. Once again, true confession consists of telling our deed in such a way that our soul is changed in the telling it. It's very powerful and very real. First John 1 John 1.9 states, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. These are not mere words. These are the words of God in order that we would be free of guilt and punitive self-judgment. When I hold my judgment about of who and what I am about what God says, this is idolatrous. This is a form of... And see, the people who are involved in this don't understand that really understand this is a form of self-worship. Okay? It is more than, uh, than mere self-flattery. Or it is self-worship because it is idolatry. And idolatry is defined as anything uh, that takes the place of God within the heart of the individual. The individual will not surrender to the biblical understanding of who he or she is. So, therefore, the, the individual has taken on this idolatrous persona. And it is, 
it, it suffocates. It ruins. Uh, it ruins life. And Jesus said to these individuals, "Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden." This this kind of preoccupation uh, with feelings of judgment uh, is a heavy burden. And the individual is not going to have a life that's full uh, or a life that is fulfilling because uh, of this extraordinary burden. Uh, verse 8 of Colossians 2, beware lest anyone cheat you through, let's see, cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. Beware lest anyone cheat you. See, you don't want to go... Uh, to people who are only going to talk to you because you pay a fee or you pay, uh, there's a co-payment involved. You may learn uh, some very some clever things, some interesting things, and maybe use some things that help you in a temporary manner. But these people uh, understand that over time, the individual may get better on his or her own. What you don't want to do is become so a burden and, and rely on a person in, in, in this manner that uh, uh, this, you, you forget who God is in your life. Confession is vital, but if uh, the individual has concluded that he or she uh, is unworthy of forgiveness, then that's going to be a very uh, it's going to be very difficult to help such an individual. So he goes on, uh, beware lest anyone cheat you to philosophy and empty deceit according to the, the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Everything about our lives uh, has to be about Jesus. For in him dwells all the fullness, the completeness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. Verse 11. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hand. That is, a turning to the Lord. By putting off. And notice the verb, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. This, uh, this, this guilt and intuitive self-judgment is what? This, the, uh, the sins of the flesh. Uh, when the sins of the flesh are, understand how I'm using this. When the sins of the flesh are the controlling ethic of one's life, then the individual is going to be weighed down uh, by this worldview. And it's very self-destructive. There are those who believe that they they have committed something so heinous and so terrible that that this this is what they deserve. And I'm talking about believers who 
say, well, I know the Lord. The Lord's my Savior. I believe in Jesus. But when one says one believes in Jesus, that belief should be dynamic and powerful. And that belief should be able to uh, break the person loose from a, a, a destructive pattern of thinking. And this is what the word of God will do if the person does what? Well, Paul says, look, uh, here, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. 12, verse 12, chapter 2 of Colossians. Buried with him in baptism. Baptism is a story. Baptism is a narrative. Baptism is a visual a representation of what has happened to that individual life. Listen carefully to what baptism is. Uh, this word means immersion. And notice the word buried. Only that which has died is buried. If you died with Jesus, then you were buried. Buried with him in baptism. So it is not mere sprinkling. It is what? The, the, the person goes down into the water, the water uh, and the water is symbolic of the grave. This is a very powerful uh, ritual. Baptism is an extraordinary ritual. It is an extraordinary representation of the new relationship that we have in Christ. Baptism should not be the physical act, yes, should be a one-time event, but baptism as it were, should be present tense. And I'm saying this because you may have friends from the past who are energized by demons who will always remind you of your sin and what you did and what you did with them and what they witnessed and what they videotaped, what they recorded, what they heard you say, what they saw you do. And they, they will stay in your heart all this garbage and pollution about who you were. Because the dead cannot see who you are. They can only talk about who you were and what you did, not what you are doing. Because that reality, listen carefully, the reality of, of what you were is their understanding of you. The reality of what you are is not their current understanding of you because they are still dead in trespasses and sin. It's amazing to me when I hear people wanting blind, dead sinners to see them in a different way or in a remarkable way, the way in which they're incapable of seeing. You want the eyes of the dead to see your new life. And it is not possible 
for them to do. And so hence, you see the importance in the Bible of separation. Come out from among them and be you separate, saith the Lord. God's people went into the promised land. And what did they do? They did not drive out the enemy who was a, who, who symbolized the old way and the old life. They, they allowed the enemy to remain because the Bible says that the enemy were, the enemy was determined to remain in the land. They were determined to stay. They were not going to be uh, uprooted uh, out of the land. They were going to stay. And know what the people of God did? Instead of depending all upon the radical power of God and believing that God would, uh, would give them the resources that they needed to get the, to get the enemy up and out, they settled down next to the enemy. And guess what happened, happened next? Spiritual steps. The old spirit of what the enemy uh, was crept into the lives of the redeemed. And so we have spiritual sepsis. And so they adopted their way. Separation is enjoined. What light has fellowship with darkness? But see, that kind of either-or thinking uh, is something that people today do not like. We want both and. So you have a theology of compromise, and so here is where the philosophy, the psychology, the psychiatry of the world uh, seeks to join up with Yahwism or with the new life in Christ. And you have counselors saying that I'm going to use uh, old life, old world thought forms, which symbolize death, I'm going to enjoy, think about this, I'm going, to enjoy, I'm going to join these with the new life in Christ. I'm going to take that which is dead and join that which is dead to this new life in Christ. I'm going to take what is living and join to that which is dead. You see the idolatry? If any land, any woman in Christ, new creation, buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God. Notice through faith, through the instrumentality of faith. Who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. And notice. The ontology, the ontology of death, and you in, in the emphatic position, and you being dead. In your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made a lie together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Now, believers who flagellate themselves, with guilt and what was done in the past. 
is hard for them to hear these words. Having forgiven you all trespasses. Having forgiven you all trespasses. No, there's something that I can agree with God that I, sh- uh, I should be forgiven of, but not everything. And why? Well, if I am forgiven then uh, of all trespasses and I forgive myself, then what I did to those in the past uh, will not help them. It will not change what I did to that person or to those people. They are still hurt. They are still smarting from the wounds that I inflicted. And so I'm going to bear the burden uh, of what I inflicted on others from here on out. Having forgiven you all trespasses. Having forgiven, the word forgiven, to send off from you, to bear away, to pay a debt that can never be repaid, having forgiven you all trespasses. Verse 14, listen to this. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that is the bond that condemned us to death. Having wiped out the handwriting uh, of requirements that was against us and was contrary to us. Look, the law was, the law is perfect. The law of Moses is perfect. The ten words, the ten, the ten commandments are perfect. No one to keep the Ten Commandments. Only one person did, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I come not to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. The law pointed to him. The law was given by Moses, which condemned sinners. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, which, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way. Now, these words are very important, as all the words that I've mentioned here before has taken it out of the way. In the Greek, these words are in the perfect tense. The perfect tense means the permanent here, the permanent removal of the bond that was against us. The permanent removal. And he has taken it out of the way. Why would you take up or attempt to take up that which Christ has permanently uh, removed. You see the, the deceit that's involved in idolatry? Idolatry 
is deceit. It is self-trickery. You see the deceit? You see the hidden pride? Once we lift the veil of idolatry and, and we look in, we look into it. Say, you see the deceit and the pride that's involved. And my Bible teaches that pride goes before destruction, or literally, pride faces destruction, and a haughty spirit before or faces a fall or a crash. This is all about pride. This is all about lifting up of the individual. This self-flagellation, and and you read church history, you read about certain uh, super saints who would sit on top of poles and they would flagellate themselves or they would somehow deny themselves thinking that this is the way to real spirituality. And the Bible teaches, the Bible doesn't teach that stuff. That was all pride. It's pride-based. All idolatry is pride-based, deceitful. The Bible never teaches that. The Bible teaches confession. The Bible teaches, uh, Paul wrote, that there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that doeth good. There is none that seeks after God. So, yes, there are things you did to others. Understand that God will forgive you, but you will bear the consequences of what you have done, whether good or evil. God forgives. God removes. There is the permanent removal of the bond. Do it God's way and find relief so you can stop being weighed down by deceit and pride. So you can move on and have a real life. If any any man in Christ, any woman in Christ, new creation, old things are passed away. See, all this stuff about the old life and its pridefulness and its sinfulness and its lies and its its self-deceit and in deceiving others, that stuff what? That stuff vanishes because now Christ is all in all. Christ is all in all. What are you going to get as payment in eternity for your, your punitive self-judgment? Why don't you come to the Lord? And why don't you confess to the Lord what you've been holding on to? Because the Lord already knows what you have done. The Lord, already, the Lord knows what you are doing. And the Lord says what? having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to his cross. Look what he did for you. Look what he did for me. And he has taken it out of the way. That is that bond that was against us, that condemned us to death. He has what? So in verse 14... That word wiped out means canceled. He has canceled, and it even means erased. 
But I want to hold on to what I don't. I want to hold on to my sin. I want to hold on to my purity of self-judgment. Jesus has wiped away. He has canceled. He has erased what you've done. He has erased what I've done. We are now new creation in Christ. Read the book of Romans. It is not a psychological treatise. It's not a psychiatric paper. Uh, you won't find these words in any medical German, uh, journals, although uh, these journals would do well to use the word of God when speaking with their patients. And the word of God would set them free. And not the chemical that they have people on. The chemicals and the pharmaceuticals mask symptoms. They are just given for symptom management. Not to release, not to cure, not to heal, but to manage this, uh, uh, to manage symptoms. The word of God wants people permanently healed. The word of God wants people permanently set free. This is why I stay with God. There's no other place to go. You're not going to find the kind of freedom that we have in Christ anywhere else. Well, money, sex, uh, orgies, trips, all this stuff that people do, entertainment. Uh, what's, what's the other sideline? What's the downside? Because there's the flip side. And the stuff will always come back at you. And so you want to live, if you truly want freedom, then you want Jesus. You, uh, you want truth uh, to guide your thinking in your heart. You want Jesus. If you want your attitude toward yourself to be changed, you want Christ. Because he will get in there and he will change you. And he will give you a brand new way of thinking and being. So you will not what? You will not uh, do what? He will spirit enable you with the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh. You want to know what this circumcision of Christ is? Circumcision of Christ is just that. It is sitting free. It is the new circumcision as unto him. There's identification with Christ. There's a looking unto Christ. He will give you new attitude, a new attitude toward life. He'll give you new attitude toward yourself and others. He will set you free by making you clean through the power of the Spirit of God. He will set you free from your conclusions about yourself. And he will give you something wonderful to look forward to. And that is your relationship with him, which is eternal. And guess what? The Bible says that that relationship is fresh ever to remain so. 
And you're going to find that every day, moment by moment, you profit from that new relationship that you have with Christ and that it is wonderful. He will set you free and he will keep you free. But you have to what? You have to go to him and you have to confess exactly where you are right now in your heart. God bless you. Good evening and God willing. We will meet on Sunday morning.